Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, my name's John Markar and welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello there and welcome to a very special edition of the Driven Chat Podcast because this week we are talking to not one, not two, not three, not four, but five guests all in one podcast. The thing that brings all these guests together is one very exciting talking topic, Praga cars. Now, there may be some people listening at home thinking, hmm, I think I've heard of Praga cars, but don't they make trucks? Or if you're really specialist nerdy, like me, you may be thinking, didn't they make vacuum cleaners for the communist era of the Eastern Bloc? Well, yes, yes, they did. But now they're having a go at building cars. They've built cars before, but this time they're building racing cars and really, really, really exciting racing cars. So what they're doing, Praga, is they've put a series together with these incredible downforce cars. They've gathered a collection of amazing two-man team drivers. I say two-man, I don't mean men, I mean two individuals. We've got guys, girls, however people want to identify racing in this series, and it's absolutely brilliant. But what Praga like to do is they put one professional racing driver in with somebody that can pedal a car, but also has a bit of a social following. And those with a bit of a PR brain can understand why. So first up, we're going to talk to two guests who are racing in the same team. The driver up first is a bit of a personality. His name is Jay Morton. Now, you may remember if you are a avid podcast listener and if you've listened to our entire back catalogue, you will know that this is Jay's second appearance on the Driven Chat podcast. We spoke to him previously after he'd written himself a brilliant book. And of course, we talked about his time in the SAS and appearing on the Channel 4 television show here in the UK, SAS Who Dares Wins. He appeared as the mole in a previous season of that. Now, 
Now, Jay has previously raced with Praga, and this year he's teamed up with racing driver Ben Collins. Ben is going to be our second guest. There may be a few chin-scratching people at home listening, thinking, Ben Collins, where do I know that name from? Well, if you've enjoyed BBC Top Gear, like all of us have for many, many years, you'll know the white suit-wearing Stig was indeed Ben Collins. So Ben is now racing for Praga, driving one of the cars, and his co-driver, the rookie, I say in inverted commas, even though Jay is absolutely definitely not a rookie, he can definitely pedal a car, he's the teammate. So we're going to talk to Jay first, then we're going to go into Ben and have a chat with him and hear about his amazing time as the Stig, but also what it's like tutoring an ex-SAS soldier. Following Jay and Ben, we're going to talk to the MD of Praga, Mark Harrison. Mark has an amazing, amazing backstory, an incredible career, all different levels of PR. I won't say much about it because Mark will tell the story far better than I will. And then after Mark, we talk to another of the teams that are racing, this time divided into, once again, a personality versus a professional racing driver. The personality is who we're going to talk to first, and that is Jimmy Broadbent. If you are the kind of individual that likes to sit at home, watch YouTube and watch people gaming on YouTube and more specifically sim racing on YouTube, chances are you already know who Jimmy Broadbent is. He is a hilarious, brilliant, utterly captivating personality, both on his YouTube channel, but also in real life. Jimmy joins us to talk about his transition from sim racing through to real life racing and also his amazing collection of cars and then following jimmy our final guest is jimmy's professional racing driver co-driver and that is gordy much the youngest of all the drivers we're talking to today just at 19 years old but an amazing real driven if you'll pardon the pun mindset in wanting to succeed and crucially wanting to win so i really hope you enjoy these five interviews now it is just worth pointing out that the sequence in which you're hearing these interviews isn't actually the same as the sequence in which I recorded them. So I'm doing a bit of a Star Wars on you. Uh, so what you'll hear is me referencing back to conversations that I've already had, even though you haven't heard them yet. But by the time they get to the end, it'll all make perfect sense. Along with the invite to go along and record podcasts with them at Silverstone, which is where all of this took place, we also took our camera equipment. So we've got a video coming very soon to our YouTube channel. So please make sure you have subscribed to our YouTube channel. You can do that just by going to youtube.com forward slash driven chat or alternatively just search driven chat on YouTube and you'll see all of our content there. All of our back catalogue of videos, car reviews, adventures, event coverage, you name it, it's there as well as in audio format only our podcast previous episodes as well so there's the uh, the youtube channel to keep in mind and you'll see the visual version of what we're putting together with some walk around content with the cars miles lacy who we spoke to on a podcast just before christmas he features in the video and he gives us a personal tour around the car so you've got that to come so make sure you subscribe youtube.com forward slash driven chat there is of course the website as well always like to mention it we always forget to mention it drivenchat.com there you can see an entire back catalogue of everything we do from photos to videos to podcasts you name it it's all there so be sure to check out drivenchat.com and one last call to action appeal if you are listening to us either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, anywhere you're listening to us where you have the opportunity to either leave a review or at the very least just subscribe, follow or hit a star rating, that would mean the world to us. If everybody listening to this podcast now left us a five-star rating, followed, subscribed or even better, gave a review, we would skyrocket thanks to the very confusing, slightly 
unfathomable algorithm that seems to control the world of podcasts. We have got tens of thousands of listeners now all over the world to every single episode, which means the world to us. But we obviously, we want to grow that audience even more. So if you're able to, just for a moment, just whilst you're listening now, hit a little five-star review, write some nice little words about us, tell us what you like. That would be absolutely incredible and really, really would mean the world to us. So thank you for everyone that's already reviewed and already rated. And a big thank you to all of those that are about to. If you'd like to contact us, of course, I always like to mention this as well because we love reading your messages. We love getting emails from you. We love seeing the comments and the engagement that we get in our DMs on social media. You can find us on social media at Driven Chat and slip into any of our DMs there. Alternatively, you can send us an email podcast at drivenchat.com. That's ideal. If you want to send us something a bit more long form, like a long story or include some attachments, feel free to send anything you want through to that. And of course, via the website as well, we have our contact page and there you'll be able to see, uh, firstly, a load of information about us, about who we are as a team, all of the content that we produce, and crucially, a little contact box where you can write whatever you like, and it will come through to the team. Most crucially, it comes through to me via my phone. So I quite like it, sat at home on an evening, and I'll see a lovely message come through from a listener. Feel free to get any messages you want across over to us, and I will see it, and I will do my absolute damnedest to reply to every single one. Now, I wanted this to be a brief intro. I apologise, we're verging on seven minutes. So I'm going to shut the hell up. I'm going to hand over to our very first guest, who, as I say, is Jay Morton. I'm not going to intro the rest of the guests as we go through. It'll just be a short jingle and I'll allow them to introduce themselves. So enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the show. Thank you once again, sincerely, for listening, for engaging and for contacting the show. uh, And crucially, for those ratings and reviews. They really do mean the world to us. So thank you very much. Here is our very first guest of five, Jay Morton. I'm Jay Morton. Um, I'm an ex-Special Forces soldier. Spent uh, 10 years in the SAS, four years in the Parachute Regiment. Left three years ago, and since then, uh, climbed some big mountains, ended up on TV, and weirdly now, I'm now racing cars for Praga. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome to the next segment of this Praga Racing Special here at Silverstone. As you've just heard, Jay Morton is our next guest. Jay, welcome back mm-hmm. to the Driven Chat Podcast. We had you, I'm trying to think, it was, I think it was 2020. Yeah, Towards the end of 2020, was... we spoke to each other in a, a little studio, a bizarre little studio in Soho. Yeah. Um, but this is even more bizarre because we're sat in race control mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> at Silverstone. Yeah. So it's well, really that, good that to see. That was before the, the season started. It as well, was wasn't before it? the yeah. season. And it was great because we were there to talk to you about all various different bits and pieces. But yeah, you were about to embark on your first mm-hmm. season driving for Praga. Here you are, having finished that first season, season, and you're about to start the second, yeah. which is crazy. So yeah, I know. Welcome back. How does it feel to be, uh, yeah, to be. I mean, invited back for a for a second year. Yeah, it feels really good, actually. Yeah, um, we, you know, finished last season. Last season was rookie year, rookie season, and I kind of went in with no expectations. Yeah, I kind of just, you know, as long as I did my best and I was happy with that, that'd be great. So there was a, a moment at the end of that season thinking, if I don't come back for a second season, I'm going to be pretty sad. Mm. But now that I'm back and racing again for Prague this year, it feels. You know, it feels good. It feels great. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been a sad man if I ended up racing for Praga. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Now, earlier on, we, uh, or I sat down with your co-driver, with mm-hmm. Ben, and I was asking uh, about, obviously, Ben, it comes from a, a huge history of driving all sorts of cars, of course, as the Stig on Top Gear, but also 
dabbling in plenty of areas of motorsport as well. And I was asking about what his what the, the season was like, ultimately having a, a fairly new driver to motorsport, which is yourself, Jay. Mm-hmm. Now, he did say some very complimentary things. He said, you're a great <laughs> listener. And I think the, uh, the SAS background he knows it's been recorded. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, what's it, what is that like, having the Stig as your, firstly, your co-driver, but also your hands-on tutor? Bizarre, because... I don't know, you, you look at him and he's Ben Collins, right? But yeah. actually he's a stick. And there's a separation. He's not the character all the time. So I've got to almost every now and then say, mate, you're racing with the stick. Um, <laughs> nah, it's, it's brilliant. Um, obviously, I grew up watching Top Gear, so grew up watching Ben and um, obviously I had no idea who he was. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, as a parent, it's it's incredible. It's, it's, you know, again, I have to pinch myself to have such a talented and experienced and you know, such a big name in British motorsport uh, as my as my teammate. And, and yeah, I think we work really well. I try and, you know, I focus less on, you know, I don't want to get caught up thinking uh, I'm obviously the, the, the worst driver or, or the not as talented driver mm-hmm. in this pairing. And I just, I, I focus on what I'm doing on that day, whether it's a test day or a race. Um, and not worry too much about if I'm letting Ben down or sure. any of that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, I had, I, I set the bar high with myself personally. And there was a few moments last season when, you know, you personally letting yourself down with your performance. And I just mm. kind of, you kind of forget that you're there to, to have fun and enjoy it. And I can't, I'm kind of going into this season with that mindset of, you know, you're doing this because you know it's fun and it's it's an incredible opportunity and I just want to take that into every race and every test session and and enjoy it this this season more not that I didn't enjoy it but just yeah, try and focus more on enjoying it than trying to hold myself trying to put too much pressure on myself to get faster lap times sure I mean of course the, the greatest sign that clearly things went fairly well last year is that you're back mm-hmm. you've been invited <laughs> back for that second season so that's I mean, yeah. that, that should be the main accolade in, in itself Aside from Ben and having his, his his guiding ear and the pressure of wanting to you know, keep him happy and keep him performing because you're a team, how's it been as a new driver in a new environment with these guys and engineers and amazing people who are there setting up the car? I mean, we've just pulled you away from the car now yeah. and it's already going up to be aligned and having different tweaks done. Are you fairly involved and understanding of how it all works? Um, so ben, ben will take the lead on that kind of stuff just because of the experience. Sure. We do chat post me coming in from a session uh, ben will ask me how the car's handling and performing. Um, and yeah, I, I struggle with that a little bit, if I'm honest, because mm-hmm. I don't have much of a reference. Yeah. So I'm also, when I go out, I'm very much doing it on feel and, yeah. and how everything is and just trying to probably just make myself improve every lap time and not think too much about what the car's doing. So a lot of the time when he asks, I'm just like, I mean, it feels good, to be honest. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, yeah, I'm kind of relying heavily on Ben to make those decisions. As far as the team's concerned, I mean, yeah, again, I have nothing to relate it to, but I mean, yeah, I love them. They're all incredible. And they've been, you know, for me as a rookie and for someone who's never, ever raced cars in my life, they've been, you know, helpful, accommodating, you know, positive, you know, even when I'm I'm, I'm feeling the pressure that I've imposed on myself for, you know, having a slide or coming off the track. Sure. You know, couldn't be more supportive in that, which has made, you know, in turn me feel... I don't know, like comfortable doing that. And it's, you know, coming from a non-racing background into a racing background and jumping straight into the Praga. Yeah. 
there's obviously a bit of pressure there for me not to just smash the car up in the first corner. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Um, and I do beat myself up about spinning off quite a lot because, I don't know, it's like the expected thing to do for the rookie course, driver. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the team are, are incredible. And, the, you know, I, I drove a, a new car last season. We've just got a new car in this season. Yeah. Uh, the car feels, this season's car feels miles on last seasons, it, it, nice. I don't know, and I don't know what it is. It just feels feels good. The setup we set up this morning on, on quite an easy setup, and I think Ben's dialing some some um, some magic into it now. So we'll see how it goes. You know, the car feels completely dif- different, and I don't know whether that's just because it's brand new, yeah. and the other cars were um, well, they, they were brand new, but whatever they've done to it feels good. Bedded in the old one. Yeah, and I, I think I feel in a better place racing. Yeah. I, which I didn't when I first came. I, I was quite nervous about I can imagine. turning up today, but um, as soon as you jump in the car, it's just like yeah. straight into it. Can you remember how you felt on the first, the, the pre-season test day, say a year ago yeah. from now, so before that first season? How do, your, how do you feel now in comparison to then? What are the emotion differences? I felt excited yeah. the first, first time jumping in, uh, like, a, like a kid almost. Um, and I guess... Prior to this season starting, I felt more nervous. Mm. I think just because I didn't know how it would go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I, I feel better in the car. I, I do this season, and I want to try and start improving this season on what you know the foundations that I laid last season. So awesome. Yeah, we'll see. Amazing, amazing. Now, when we, I'm not going to try and get you to hark back to remember word for word what we said in our last podcast recording because mm. that was a, an awfully long time ago. But I remember we used a couple of comparisons on your experience as a special forces soldier and yeah, going into environments that you weren't necessarily familiar with. You didn't necessarily know what to expect, and you know we kind of played a bit of a tongue-in-cheek um, reference to the fact that you're going now into a field a world that you don't necessarily know, but mm. it's one that you're just going to have to kind of get on with. Do you feel like there has been any similarities into that world of the unknown and not necessarily being prepared for what's coming up, but mm. having to just adapt? How has that journey been? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I spent the last 14 years, you know, working in high-stress environments. So yeah. racing cars is a high-stress environment. So bouncing from one of those into the other is is fairly simple. Um, you know trying to as as well I, I don't know there's a thing of coming from being at the top of, of your food chain food chain in terms of being in the military being in the special forces yeah. um and then going into something where you're at the bottom of the food chain <laughs> in racing um which is something that you know I'm I'm not bothered about or it doesn't affect me but you want to get back to the top of that food chain and it's not like I can jump in rookie season and second season and do that yeah it takes years of go-karting um at a young age and then developing into a, a, a track car and and building it that way and it's it's something that i have to just you know accept and just just crack on and again just do the best of what i can do and enjoy it yeah that's perfect do you think your your background has added any element or stress to any of the engineering team no nah, i'm probably really the nice? easiest i'm yeah. probably the easiest driver yeah i find the guys that have been doing it for years get the the you know, the, or the bitchiest to the engineering team. I'm chill. I'm just like, yeah, the car feels great. I'm having fun. <laughs> I guess, actually, in the comparison of who do we want to let down more, the uh, the ex-SAS soldier yeah. or the stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. The, the, the stick's sti- probably yeah. a bit higher. Sure. He's top of the food chain in here, right? I'm at the bottom. I'm the minnow. <laughs> 
So thinking ahead now to the season, because this is our this is the pre-season test day. Um, how are you feeling? Are there any races that you're really looking forward to? Are there any circuits that you're really excited to get back on? Love Alton and Donington. Yeah, Alton is the one that I think everyone everyone will be talking to, both here on the podcast today and just walking around the pit lane talking to drivers like Miles, Miles Lacey we've been bumping into. And everyone says Alton. Is it something about the cars at Alton or what is it that makes Alton so good? I don't know. I think just the layout of the track. Yeah. Um, It just seems to flow really nicely and I think this this car like complements it. There's a lot of fast corners that you need to hit fast for the aero to work and you know if you don't there's there's quite bad consequences you're quite close to walls there's no like run outs like there is at Silverstone Mm. Um, and I think that increases the whole excitement point of of driving yeah Um, so yeah Alton Park and I I actually won two races last season at Alton with Angus Fender so um, and I felt good at Alton I felt like it was actually probably driving at the same speed as most of the other pro drivers not all but but some of them Um, and then Donington I just I don't know, it flows well. That back, you yeah. know, the back corners. I'm, I'm trying to remember all the names of the corners, but I'm I can't. useless. Corner I'm names. so bad. Yeah. Ben keeps having a go at me. But, um, <laughs> and they're sort of, they're closer to home from memory, aren't they? Not, they're not exactly on the doorstep, but they're, yeah, they're, they're on the way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. It, it must be something in the air. Yeah, I, yeah. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I just think they're good tracks. Yeah, they are. And Silverstone, I don't know. Silverstone's great because it's home and motorsport, but sure. I don't know. It doesn't excite me as a track as much yeah, as Sale and Donington. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we've borrowed you for enough time. I know you've got to jump back in now and do some more testing, but um, thank you so much for joining yeah, us you. again. We're going to try our best to be as involved in this series and mm-hmm. season as possible. So hopefully we'll bump into each other a few times. It'd be for awesome. Sure. See how you get on. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers guys. Hi, I'm Ben Collins. I'm racing for Praga this year in the Praga Cup and also running videos up onto YouTube on Ben Collins Drives. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome to this section of the Driven Chat podcast here at Praga, where today we are talking to a collection of amazing drivers, technicians, engineers, MDs, PR people, you name it, we're talking to them. And the person that we have just dragged in from the outside, as you've just heard, is Ben Collins. Hello, Ben. Hello. Great great to have you here. Thank you so much for giving us a a little bit of your time. Now, uh, Ben, most people... I might be correct in saying we'll know you as uh, a, a certain individual that drove around in a white suit with a white helmet for yep. a certain TV show. Are we allowed to talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I used to be the Stig. What a cool thing to get to say. So, yeah, um, yeah worked with um, Top Gear for, for eight years, um, just over 10 years ago now. So that time's flown flown by. Um, and um, we were laughing about it today because the, the car that I'm driving at the moment, it's arrived from the factory, all white. It kind of looks like the Stig's helmet. So <laughs> it's a good memory. Yeah, indeed. And that car you're driving today, so you're sharing that drive with Jay Morton, aren't yep. you? Um, now, we've spoken to Jay in the past. We are going to catch up with Jay in a little bit as well on the podcast. Uh, but that car, interestingly, I heard from Mark, that arrived from the Czech Republic last night. Yes. Like the 11th hour, and it's here, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's inc- it, I, I really didn't expect to be driving it this morning, um, but wow. uh, it's arrived, ready to go, which is fantastic. So that's a huge testament to the factory. Yeah. That they've been able to prep it, Test it. Um, so they, they did a run through um, at Silesia Ring, I think that's right. So, no, Slovakia Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they made sure they did, you know, all their installations were spot on. So it arrived last night. The guys would have given it a once over, but it's, it was good to go this morning. So we ran, it, ran her in and feels fantastic. 
Brilliant. And it's uh, pre-livery as well. So do you get any input into what the car's going to look like? Or Probably, f- thankfully, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a good graphic designer. So we've, we've actually got a couple of designs that we're looking at. I say we, the, the, um, the Praga have come up with these two really wicked-looking designs. So we're going to put them out to a, to a poll and see what the public make of it and um, get some influence on what we should choose. Awesome. That sounds like a good... I like the idea of sticking with the stick stuff. I think that's, yeah. that's good. It's a bit barren, though. I mean, I think... So I think some of the these these Pragas really lend themselves to quite radical um, yeah. design. Um, I think Frank Stevenson's um, take on it was awesome. Mm. And um, I, you know, you look around the pits and there's some really cool liveries. So yeah, it's good that they're going to mix it up. But it's nice. Yeah, it looks good in white. It looks good in carbon. Yeah. So not just a, a big some say. Dot, dot, dot on you could do, could do, but you don't. I suppose if you changed it weekly, then it could be more interesting. Very you good. Could do something like that. We'll get Richard um, Porter to come in and come up with some script ideas. Oh, you've met him. Oh, oh yeah. I know Richard. Tell yeah. you what, let's throw the gauntlet down immediately. We need <laughs> to get. Let's put Richard Porter. Let's get him to put his money where his mouth is. Let's get him in the car and let's see him. Let's see what he's made of. Richard, Richard Porter, <laughs> we're calling you out. We're calling you in. Let's get you in the race car and see if you can uh, see if you can do it as well as your avatar. I can't. What's his, what's his avatar called? Oh, he's got one. The one with the dab of. You know what I'm talking oh. about, Richard. Well, Richard does listen to the podcast. Does so, he? Yeah, he, he will be listening. Okay. He, he will be nodding with approval, probably walking Molly at the moment yeah. and, and, and nodding along. So, yeah. Porter, I'll be gentle with you to begin with. We'll get you <laughs> in this car. I'd be excited, really joking aside. So, I mean, Porter, you know, he's one of the great writers behind Top Gear and, and um, a lot of the some say lines, him and Clarkson were riffing on that. So, um, very bright chap and, and really good banter and um, been on a fair few adventures with him. But I'd love to see him behind the wheel, actually. He, yeah. We never got an opportunity. We were going to do, we were going to get all the team into the reasonably priced car, um, and we never got round to it. So, yeah, it's time for him to get into a reasonably expensive and fast car. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. I'd, I'd love to see that. I definitely, did you, I assume well, we won't go too much of, onto a tangent here, but his uh, recent appearance in uh, Carmageddon, the latest Grand Tour. He did a bit of driving. Did he? He was driving a, a rallycross. Okay. Um, I think he was in a McGann. And um, had a, had a little little off, so it didn't come across as a. Yeah, I'm sure he won't be ashamed to say he didn't come across as a, an accomplished drive. But uh, yeah, he had a go. You say he so, wasn't an accomplished driver. Mm, that's that's harsh. Very did, harsh. He had a little spin. Okay, well, I mean, yeah. it's good. He's learning. Yeah, um, I, I can't wait to get hold of him and, um, put it, yeah, put him in the hot seat. Perfect. Right, that's happening. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that, Richard. That's that's happening now. Uh, right, but back to today. What is this like for you? Because obviously you've driven some amazing cars over the years, everything from production road cars through to racing cars. I'm sure there's been lots of concepts. How does a Praga, as a off-the-shelf, you mentioned that obviously this, the car that you're driving today came straight in from the factory yesterday, and it's just almost a plug-and-play approach. You can get straight in and drive it, and away you go. There's very little assembly. There's not bits coming in in boxes that have to be assembled. What is that experience like for you as a driver to know that that car just comes in, off a trailer, in you get, off you go, and it's done? Well, fortunately for me, I've, I've raced for the factory team um, in Europe, so I know that they're extremely capable. Um, and if they say that the car has been tested and it's fine, then it is. Um, so there's a lot of trust there, which is which is great. And if you, once you've established that, then you can get in it and uh, drive it the way it's intended to be driven. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's fantastic, and it, like like I said earlier, it's, it's quite a surprise because normally there's always something that hasn't quite been bolted on or something that has to be patched in on the day. Um, so that it's wonderful that we can just turn the key and go. Um, in terms of what these things are like to drive, I love them. I've driven lots of different cars. Um, wonderful experiences with Top Gear where we had sort of five laps in a car before the tires melted to sort of set a time in a, in a road car, supercar, hypercar. 
Um, and similarly with, with racing cars, you don't often get much time to get to grips with it. Um, and um, so I'm used to being thrown in, and but some cars you, you bond with much quicker than others. This one is much, it's very, very similar to a lot of the single seaters I've raced in the past. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of hybrid between a single seat car and uh, the Le Mans prototypes I used to race in 24 hour races. Um, I love them and, and they are they are really responsive. You can really, um, you know, dig into the corners with a brake. They've got plenty of grip mm-hmm. and enough power relative to that grip, so you can still hustle it on the throttle, and not the car doesn't feel dead. Um, so people who are coming out of go karts that are used to that kind of hustle, um, people who are aspiring single seat racers or want to going into you know GT type sort of racing, this one really sits very well in between all those disciplines, as well as being you know cracking series in its own right. But uh, but lap by lap, I love every lap, and um, which is a, which is a great thing to have. Awesome. And despite it being a off the shelf, I say in inverted commas, racing car, do you still have the ability to give it uh, feedback and input into how the car handles the geometry, any other kind of bits of setup? Or, yeah, yeah. They're very sen- actually they are very sensitive. So. Um, in, a good, in a positive way to change, and we played with quite a bit last year, which is, which has been interesting. And funny enough, we have there are quite there are two quite different philosophies from um, the factory in Czech um, to the way that they've been running them in the UK, which is really fun. So we have these uh, you know these big debates, oh, which is the right way to go, and they are poles apart. Um, the fun part is we've now got one of each in the garage. So um, mine came in late uh, you know last minute last night so it's set on the factory settings um, and the car next to it is also brand new but they've had more time and they've adapted that one to the uk setup so right. the beauty of the day is we've got these two cars side by side on the tr- on the track turning lap times and we can compare on the data to see um, and then tune them so at the moment i think our car is is very forgiving i'm probably going to tune it into something a bit more aggressive um, to extract more lap time and um, but also keep it real because my teammate jay morton He's been racing for only a year. Mm. Um, he doesn't have that much experience, and um, if you make the car too pointy, then it's really easy for them to spin it around um, if if they you know explore the limits. So it's sure. it's a bit of a compromise. Yeah, I was going to ask about Jay because uh, previously we'd just been talking to Jimmy Broadbent, and he's been saying that despite he's had a lot of seat time in sim, he's been learning, and that, he, that definitely has helped his experience. He said the the best element of this involvement with Praga is of course the, the those pointers that bit of tuition extra bit of guidance from Gordy um, as you say Jay's only been racing for a year how has that experience been for you as somebody lending you know, or, or let's say um, Jay lending his ear to you and your expertise has he been a good student is it been What's he like learning, and and what's his development development been like as somebody giving that guidance? Yeah, in context, it was three years of of racing for me in single seat until I got anywhere near uh, a racing car with this much performance. Wow! So um, I find it incredible that anybody is is doing this in their first season. You know, it's pretty remarkable. Um, Jay's is great because he's, he's got that perfect approach, which you know, from his background in the military at the high end of it, you know, he's an elite soldier and. Those guys really only get there because they're good at learning and listening. So he absolutely absorbs everything that's going on around him. Um, as you're, you wouldn't be surprised that you know he's fairly fearless. Um, mm. And um, I say fairly only because you know he's he's not um, he's not outrageous with his um, bravery. It's uh, but he absolutely is, he's committed. You know, I had to point out to him one of the first times we came here to Silverstone. You know, he went into the Beckett's complex, f- flat to the floor, and the car spun. And I, I said to him, I said. That, that corner is not flat. Mm. So he's like, oh, right, okay. 
So quite unfazed, it's a 150 mile an hour spin um, in the ballsiest corner on the track. <laughs> so um, there's no fear factor. Um, it's just inexperience and um, trying to you know, impart my knowledge. You know, we're just doing it sort of one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he has got speed and he, he's, it's, uh, the data shows he's, you know, he's very late, very, uh, he's got very heavy brake pressure. Mm -hmm. So he's one of the, the last of the late breakers, which is, which is great. Um, but you know, ultimately, with these machines that you know with any kind of racing when the weather turns mm. then it gets quite exotic and um we've had last year all kinds of weather um and it's a big challenge because you 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 only learn by making mistakes and in this game that means spinning or hitting things of so we've course. had a bit of that and um, but that's all part of the course and so he's logged that experience and now hopefully we'll with enough with this pre-season testing um that practice i think will give him a huge um you know much stronger platform to take on the season Perfect. And how does that affect your own approach to a race weekend, knowing that you've got somebody who's obviously doing very well at driving, Jay, Jay can pedal, and he's, I'm sure, continuing to get better and better. But does it affect your approach, let's say, in comparison to if you were teamed up with a, a long-standing, multiple-podium-winning Le Mans driver, would you approach that weekend with a completely different attitude than you would with Jay, or do you go in with it saying, nope, he's capable, he's got the ability? Where would it differ? I think... It's, you do need to set your target as to you know where you what's your expectation because um, you, you you know the driver pairings the relative strengths they they vary throughout the pit lane mm. and I haven't got a clue yet exactly who's driving these other cars and um, you know whether are they going to have two pros in some of them I don't know um, but um, there's some very young looking determined looking people in that pit that um, that won't want to lose and none of us want we all want to win so. Um, you start every weekend wanting to win, and then obviously you have to temper that with the fact that you've got to just take it as it comes. Yeah. So uh, you know, each weekend we'll aim to get both of our you know lap times as competitive as possible. That's the whole goal. Mm -hmm. My goal is to help him achieve the best, his personal best. And I think that when we when we align that up, we've got a chance to win. And um, but with this type of racing, what you you know it was very apparent last year. I'm not going to say it's a lottery. But the uh, the um, certainly the pit stops and the strategy definitely have a lot uh, you know a lot large amount of uh, an influence on the results. Yeah. So you can get lucky, you can be unlucky, um, everything in between. Um, and Jay, you know, has um, he proved it last year by winning two races that um, you know he can get the car there and to, into a good position and then hang on to it. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, but really, if your philosophy is anything other than let's go and win, mm. uh, then I, you know what are you doing there. Perfect. Yeah, very, very true. And for you personally, now having that kind of stig accolade on your back, do you find that sometimes in a competition or a race, there are a lot of other people that are like, right, I want to beat the stig. I'm going to make this my job. Or do you feel like you're seen as just another one of the racing drivers? I have no idea what they're thinking. Um, I, I'm certainly thinking I want to beat all of these people. Um, <laughs> and there's some very talented people in the pit lane. So, um, you know, if uh, if if you're at the front of the timesheets um, or if you're on the podium, you've done a brilliant job, and uh, I'm, I mean that in absolute respect for the people we're racing with. So, um, I know how hard I'm pushing every lap of the you know the season, and um, so you measure yourself against what's around you, and when there's some very very f um, fast peddlers here, so yeah. I don't know what they're thinking, but probably similar things to me. Yeah. Um, whether the Stig thing puts a mark on your back, I don't know. But I'm not racing in a white helmet, so maybe they won't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. A lot of these guys are really young as well, so they might yeah. not even know. They're like, Ben who? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stig. So I reckon yeah. I can get away with it. 
Yeah, that's that's handy. Yeah. Now, thinking ahead to the season that you've got coming up, are there any races or circuits that you're really looking forward to and vice versa? Are there any that you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not as excited about that weekend? The, you know, this is a great calendar. Um, even this, I say even, the, the Silverstone National Circuit, is it's shorter than a lot of the ones we race mm. on, but... There's not, you, it, there's nothing boring about this track. Um, Cops is is the balls out, very very fast corner, especially in these cars. You know, you barely slow down, crank it through there. Um, you don't have the Beckett's Maggots um, high speed section and and places like Stowe and and some of the deep braking chicanes, but you, there is a lot going on, and um, the car is really you know you're really busy. So even the shortest circuit we race on which is Silverstone National is is going to be fun and i think racing wise will be very spectacular because i believe that probably this short track will be uh, conducive to drafting and proper racing so i think this will be quite a tasty um event um my personal favorite tracks Alton Park is top of the list yeah love it so i can't wait for that it's like being in a roller coaster and um, all the bank corners and and that it's just a and it's a cracking part of the country it's just great um, the GP circuit here is awesome. Sneston's quite technical. Um, so, you know, that's one I think definitely where um, we'll be looking to get Jay on the sim mm -hmm. in, in advance of that. So we're using, you know, as much technology as we can to, to get uh, extra practice, get an unfair advantage. I was on the sim last week with Jimmy Broadbent. We're doing some YouTubing for his channel and mine. Um, so uh, I was looking back to Donington on that one. And, uh, and actually, even his, you know, his home rig, it just was so accurate that yeah. we were within a second of the, the real lap times. Oh, wow. And that was largely because I'm crap at Sims. <laughs> so I'm still learning. So I was there for a, a special lesson with Jimmy Broadbent and um, we made quite a fun film. So, um, yeah, there's, there's lots we can use to throw at it, but there's, there's no tracks I'm not looking forward to. Great stuff. And yeah, just to, before we wrap things up, I'm always fascinated to learn, obviously talking to Jimmy, who went from sim to real car, I always find it fascinating talking to drivers who've gone from car to sim, because some really don't get on with it at all, do they? It's, it's, there's a lot of reliance on the actual physics of what's happening, where you're being pushed and pulled and the sensations. Are you all right at sims? Or would you rather just not do sim driving? Because obviously it's an essential part, isn't it? It's a very cost-effective way of yeah. remember, remembering a circuit and of course the technology now in... Trans translating what's happening in a car and the physics of an individual car and a setup can be put into it. What has that journey been like for you? Well, Jimmy made a great comment, quite punchy, which is that sim racing is harder than real, mm. which I'd agree with. And then the other mistake I've made is to is to believe that um, I suppose my track experience it, it should be the same as what as the sim. Um, and I've worked on developing sims um, in the past with Project Cars One and Two. So even with all that experience. It still comes down to what your, where does, how, you know, where do your instincts come from as a driver? Mine come from being a bit of a tear away as a kid on, on the farm with machinery and just driving the seat of my pants, um, sliding around on mud and, and just feeling everything. So um, I've completely come from that background and therefore I'm always searching for those inputs to, to feel what's happening. Um, and actually, I've had to kind of unlearn or, or relearn how you work a sim mm. because you don't have the G-force, so you f forget seat of pants, and it's very cerebral. Um, hence, it's harder. You know, you, you're having to use different sensory inputs to replace um, the physical um, parameters that we, we use in the race car um, and the direct feedback you get from the tyre. So it is really, really hard, and I think it's incredibly beneficial and as a mental game and a challenge it's very useful because you you can really use it as a stick yeah. to instill discipline in yourself 
um, and um, your concentration is, is there and the muscle memory of the track I think is a huge benefit mm. and with the teams they can genuinely now input setup changes through these sims and they get a benefit from it so whether you like it or not um, sim racing is a vital part of, of what we do and, and as, a, as a sport now it's, it's really incredible and you find yourself with exactly the same sort of heart rate and adrenaline levels that you get in real life because at the end of it it's a competition and you 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 completely get immersed in that moment which is awesome so i think yeah esports it's it's a fascinating space and um i definitely but i need more lessons i'm still <laughs> learning more you got jimmy at least haven't i you? got jimmy yeah <laughs> he was very very gracious with his time to a point actually then he kind of kicked me out um and then we did a bit of a drifting competition um which during which he cheated so <laughs> i'm waiting for my payback that's pro we've got the Jimmy interview out of the way, so he can't even come back on that. Can't so he definitely cheated for yeah. the record. We yeah. know that for a fact. He did. Yeah. I'm sure of it. <laughs> awesome. Ben, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Get back into a car. Uh, best of luck for the season. We're going to try our best to be as involved and around throughout the season. So it'd be great to catch up well, as time great. goes along. Next time I see you, you bring Porter and I'll bring the car. Let's do it. Bring it on. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Uh, I'm Mark Harrison. I'm the MD of Praga Cars UK and... Um, also have a little role just building up the Praga network. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Right, welcome to our next segment of the Praga special, yet to be titled Praga podcast episode for Driven Chat. Uh, maybe we'll go with that. That's, that seems to work. So we've spoken to a few drivers so far, but now we have the, the main man, the managing director, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I've peeled you away from a very busy, bustling pit lane here at Silverstone. Uh, are you quite happy to be hiding up here for a minute in race control? That's brilliant. It's brilliant just to have a sit down, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> in the warmth. In um, the warmth, yeah. I've decided for the Test Day 2023 Praga Cup that we're going to do it in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thank you in advance for the invite to that one because that will be, yeah, that'll be lovely. Yeah, Silverstone. I mean, what a place. It doesn't matter what time of the year you're here. It's always guaranteed to be windy. The weather is always guaranteed to be changeable. We started off with blue skies, uh, but now it's a bit drizzly, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not bad in a way. What I'm hoping now is that, that um, some of the teams literally have a practice of driving the cars on slicks whilst it's yeah. a bit damp, because uh, we were here last year. Uh, it was beautiful blue skies, and then we had two massive thunderstorms. Mm. And, and it was really interesting to watch how some drivers came in for wets and others stayed, thought they'd stay out and, and give it a shot. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, I'm guessing that's what they'll be doing now, just having a little practice in, in the way. And the, the fact we're in, we've got it exclusive, we've got the national circuit on our own yeah. with all our Pragas, um, g gives everybody the chance to really make the most of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's cold and windy, but that's what you expect. So yeah. no surprises. Awesome. Now, before we get into the, the I, I want to explore your role in Praga because, of course, being the MD of a, of, of a company such as Praga is a, a huge accolade to have. But firstly, before we get there, I want to unpick your CV a little bit because, my goodness me, I thought I had a varied career in the world of bizarre areas of automotive PR and events and things. But I think you you definitely have the award in the sense of the variance of industries and PR and avenues. You've worked on some of the most amazing or worked in projects launching some of the most amazing cars. Do you want to give us a quick overview on how, how your you PR make, you make, world started? You make it sound like I got fired a lot from a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I've, I've just been really lucky, I, I think, in, in right from the start. I mean, I, I wasn't in automotive. I, I actually was a qualified landscape architect, of all things. So right. 
Um, I was working as a, the, so my first stroke of luck really was I was working as a landscape architect. And um, uh, just in a conversation in the pub in Fulham one night, um, was asked if I wanted to go and work on the Camel Trophy, which was, for your listeners who don't know the Camel Trophy, it was an amazing um, event that Land Rover used to do annually. Yeah. Um, you know, taking Land Rover discoveries around the world to weird and wonderful places. Sort of, it's a knockout of off-road driving. <laughs> I mean, it was fantastic. And I, I, I was working freelance at the time, and I was asked if I wanted to go and help in the press office on Camel Trophy in Central America um, for six weeks. I had no idea what a press office was. Uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew I'd quite like to go to Central America for six weeks. I knew what the Camel Trophy was. So I asked what a press office was and, and um, was told, oh, it's, it's, very, it's very easy. It's just looking after 32 journalists for a few weeks in the jungle. And um, obviously this was, this was 95, so this was faxing and actually yeah. writing things. Um, but it was an amazing event, absolutely amazing. And, and on return, so this was for a, a PR agency called Jardine PR run by yeah, Tony yeah. Jardine. Um, so a lot of where I am now really is down to Tony um, for taking me on. Because when we came back, he said, if you ever want a job, just pick up the phone. So to cut a long story short, I about a year later ended up back there working on Hondas. Um, I loved cars. I loved football. And um, Honda had just signed a deal. This shows how long it was ago it was to, to supply cars to Manchester United. Um, right. So, um, and they were also working with Rangers and Celtic in Scotland. So they needed somebody to come and help on that account. Tony phoned up and um, uh, so I ended up moving to Tony's PR agency um, and really loved it. And and I guess I was late 20s at the time and in as a junior and really had to prove myself. Yeah. Um, otherwise I'd look stupid. So, uh, but it, it, it was brilliant, loved it. And um, then I got lucky because uh, Ford phoned up and um, I think they'd heard from a few journalists that um, about me and so Ford took me on into their press office for a couple of years worked on some great business in Ford's press office the, the relaunch of the Ranger pickup truck um, I worked a lot on Transit which is a brilliant thing to work on yeah. uh, Ford Racing Puma which was an amazing little car um, so a whole range of different things at Ford and then BMW heard had heard a few things about me so they needed <laughs> somebody to go in and be the PR manager for Mini and um, so I was, I was asked if I wanted to go and do that um, I actually turned it down, um, which isn't on my CV, um, <laughs> because Ford was in the process of closing the engine facility at Dagenham. Got you, yeah. And uh, it sounds a bit weird, but to for a PR guy to work on such an iconic sort of project as that in a way, I know it sounds a bit weird closing something down, but actually it was Ford were doing it in a brilliant way. They were doing it really well, um, thinking about the workers. So it was a great thing to work on. I actually said to BMW, look, I'm sorry, I'm... I'm helping close the factory at Ford, and um, um, and then I got a phone call afterwards saying, "Now the factory's closed. Now will you come and talk to us about Mini?" So, oh. so which was great actually. So I went went to I launched the Mini um, with BMW, and was lucky enough to be the PR manager on the Mini launch in wow. the UK. So which that's the um, original R53. Yeah, yeah. So oh. we yeah the original launch of the the new Mini, and um, which had its issues with a German company owning an iconic. British yes. car. Oh, I mean, um, I can remember it so vividly, yeah, the yeah, whole, that's yeah. not a mini argument. And yeah. so it has a PR role. That must have been quite the challenge. It was, it was amazing. I was, th again, I was so lucky to, on the one hand, be working at Ford on the Dagenham Car Factory closure and, and dealing with the, the, the hard edge of that, but then also to go to Mini and launch that. And it was, it was some of it was fun, but actually some of it was hard work because yeah. you, had, you had German colleagues in Munich telling me what to tell British car journalists about the mini brand. And it yeah. was a bit like, well, 
I think probably <laughs> it might be the British car journalist that needs to tell you about the Mini brand, but you couldn't obviously say that to them. I'll, I'll just pop down my cup of tea uh, whilst I, I explain yeah, to you. Please. <laughs> I had to sort of explain, really, that probably every car journalist in Britain had grown up doing whatever they do in minis yeah. when they're 16 or 17 That's and 18. Right, yeah. So um, it, they're going to struggle with, with all due respect, a German telling them what the Mini brand is. So there was a, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes um, things to negotiate on that. But um, I think, we, we A, we did a pretty good job on that. One of the first things we did was we basically got the classic Mini community to see the new car first and meet the right. people. Yeah. So it was behind the scenes. It was, you know, private event. But we got the editors of the Mini clubs, Mini magazines to come along. We got the chairman of the Mini clubs and just really showed them the car, showed, met them, introduced them to the engineers, talked about what we're trying to do, and actually that, that did a lot of good. Right. And the other, the other successful part of it was, which is what it's all about, is the car was really good. Sure. You know, it, it's, you can be a decent PR person as much as you like, but if the product you're talking about doesn't either excite you or isn't good, yeah. then, then you're, you're, you're really struggling. But the, the, the amount of engineering investment that BMW put into the Mini um, was appreciated by everybody actually the classic people but also the, the British car journalists you yeah. know, once they drove it the reviews were sensational so Absolutely. so you know that makes a PR person's job a lot easier if there's if there's an investment in the product definitely uh, and there was a stint at McLaren as well wasn't there yeah so McLaren were looking for somebody to be the PR director for the, the launch of the um, automotive business yeah. so um, I wasn't responsible for the name MP412C on the first car um, I was in the meetings that discussed the name and and um, uh, thought, well, that's going to be an ish interesting one to try and PR. Yeah, um, yeah, indeed. But there was a good logic to it, but it, it, yeah, the history shows it wasn't the best name for a car ever. P1 was a lot easier. Um, <laughs> it but, could uh, be worse. It could be the new smart SUV. Have you seen this? Hashtag one. Uh, that's really bad. That's the model yeah, name that yeah, they've just yeah, released. And yeah. I, the day that that came out, I picked it up and a few journo friends of mine sort of started putting on their Instagram feeds going, let's all say a collective prayer for everyone working automotive SEO and PR yeah, yeah. as Smart yeah. released their hashtag one car. You think, what on earth? Who signed that off? Well, it, I mean, names are, ultimately names don't, if the car's good, it's a bit like the mini thing, if the car's good, the name doesn't matter. Correct. I was at Ford when the Focus was launched, you know, and, and Escort went to Focus and nobody at Ford got it or liked it. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The Ford Focus was an amazing car yeah. and so people forget about it. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I just got again. I got a right place, right time. Went to see. Um, I think part part of the the luck again was that I'd worked with Frank Stephenson Brilliant. on the Mini, and yeah. Frank was design director at McLaren. And um, I hadn't spoken to Frank for a few years, but I'd, I'd obviously given it everything in the interview to say, yeah, me and Frank, we go back. And <laughs> design is a great tool to talk about PR, especially at someone like McLaren. And um, and I remember in the second interview, Anthony Sheriff, the CEO, fantastic guy actually, and Anthony. Um, um, said, right, let's go and see Frank. He's in the design studio. And first of all, I thought, this is great. This is a great sign. If I'm being taken into the design studio, yeah. you know, the hallowed turf at a car brand, um, then that's a good sign. And then I thought, actually, maybe not so good because fr what if Frank doesn't remember me? <laughs> yeah. So um, and well, I, think, I think Frank had been set up, actually, because I walked in and he was there and it was oh, all... Good, good. It was all, Mark, how are you doing? So um, <laughs> anyway, so I got the job there. And, and I think uh, since then, I've worked on launches of... Um, well, I've been lucky enough to work on people like Rimac on the on their yeah. their activity, and then Pininfarina on the um, Batista hypercar as well. So I've, I've got a really nice little niche now. I think of working on launches of exciting and interesting cars and car brands. So yeah. 
again, that's why I come back to saying how lucky I am because it's, I think after Mini, I thought, well, I'll never get that again. And after sure. McLaren, I thought, I'll never get that again. And um, yeah, so uh, it, yeah, it's, it has been a, it's been a great ride, actually. So tell me, tell me about the time that the phone rings and it's somebody from Praga saying, we want somebody to come along and help with this. Was that, in, your expectations of that, was that a, did they come to you? Did you go to them? Were they advertising a PR role? Or was there any an element no, of surprise at any point where somebody said, actually, we want you to be the MD rather than the PR? Um, well, I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't actually done PR since two, um, 2011. Right. Um, sort of core PR, because at McLaren, I, I, after a couple of years doing the PR, I ran the Middle East business um, and then went back into the factory. On a com- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Commercial things. I'd never, I hadn't really done a huge amount of PR since then. I mean, that's where I'd made my name, so people knew me for that. Um, but um, uh, no, I, I, a friend of a friend again, it was right time, right place. Um, friend of a friend uh, was working, there was a flying car company in the Czech Republic <laughs> whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, and he was working for them. And uh, he, he knew who I was. And I, I can't remember why he called me and said, look, I don't know if you've heard of Praga, and I said no. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he said they they've got quite a lot of really interesting projects on the go, and they're looking. They're very much an engineering driven business. They've never really done any sales and marketing before, but they're looking to really expand now and, and grow globally. Um, would you be interested in chatting to them? Because he was at some sort of automotive conference, and um, um, so I, I managed to. I had a day in the summer. I could just pop out to Czech Republic and went to the factory. Met the engineering director, met the owner, um, and we just all really got on. I think, um, uh, yeah, at the end of that day, the owner said, I'd like to start next January, please. And wow. this is, there isn't really a brief. It's just, we, the, the company has been going, well, it's now 115 years, pretty yeah. much unbroken. Um, but it's always been engineering at heart, which is a great place to start if you're then moving into sales and marketing, you know, mm. better that than the other way around. Um, but they really feel that they've got a, an opportunity now to raise the profile of the brand globally and just expand everything they're doing yeah. based on the fact that the, the products, the engineering is all really solid and, and exciting. If you look at the R1s, Absolutely. they've got a great little racing car, and that's just one of the businesses. Um, so I, I just I, I love something like that where there's a real challenge. It's a long-term program. There's no, there's no clear goals or... Mm. 
strategy necessarily it's about just how do we grow sustainably sensibly we're quite a small organization so we can't go too fast mm-hmm. um but there's some great great sort of opportunities that already exist to build on so yeah. it was really exciting actually and how does it compare trying to spread the awareness of what is effectively exclusively at the moment a racing car versus a car that's going to be going on sale to the general public thinking of say the mini as an example yeah. Are there similarities in the two strategies, or do you look at the two different divisions in completely different ways? Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it, there's uh, there isn't the awareness of the brand. So yes, um, I I think this is why I probably clicked with the engineering director and the the owner of the company, and I said, look, let's just assume nobody knows who you are. Mm. It's, it's a really safe place to start. Then you can only you yep. can only win, and. Um, but at the same time, uh, what I really liked about Praga was you could see a number of opportunities where they could raise the brand profile pretty quickly. So, mm. you know, Roman Grosjean has been a quite a long-term friend of the brand through the karting division. Mm-hmm. Um, with what happened to Roman, obviously this was after I joined, so you couldn't foresee what was going to come. Yeah. But I met Roman very early on. Lovely guy, great guy to work with. And then with what happened at Bahrain, mm-hmm. and then subsequently to that, his success in IndyCar, you know, what a great guy to have as part of the family in a way, yeah. particularly to help grow our brand in North America. Roman has started an esports team, R8G. That's going great guns. Mm-hmm. So R8G now have Praga branded cars racing with them. Great. Um, we've got a car- the karting division. It's a, it's a separate division to the one I work for, but it does mean that all carters around the world know who Praga is may have raced to Praga not yeah. interestingly not that big in the UK but that's something we're working on um, but it means there's a immediately you know there's a funnel of potential R1 racing drivers out there yeah. looking to move into racing cars at the age of 15 16 and there's nothing to satisfy them with so sure. um, so you you could see that there's the heritage of the company as well the, yeah. in the 20s and 30s they made more cars than Skoda and Tatra combined wow. but they did it so well that when the communists came in they said well we don't need cars and racing cars we need trucks and tanks yes. and gearboxes and axles so Prague you can do all that because that's the important stuff Skoda yeah. you can carry on making some ra- road cars if you want <laughs> and everybody loves a story so and again if you can I think in, in motor racing and in automotive generally you know, people who are enthusiastic about motor racing and cars mm. love the history of car brands. You know, the reason why Ferrari excites people is because of its history, frankly. Yes, so right. actually, if you can if you can go to customers with this story of this company that they didn't know about that's 115 years old and start telling that story. So you add all those things together and there's a, it's a great place from which to launch a brand that is delivering already very solid products. So... Yeah. Um, it, in that respect, for, for the Mini, it's, it's, in a way, it's quite similar to Mini. It's, um, it's about sort of looking, I guess, at, at um, not doing the obvious, but mm. looking at what the, the, the brand is offering that is of interest to people. Yeah. So do you, are you looking at it as even maybe a, a next chapter for a brand? Because, of course, Mini itself was a brand, even in, in yeah. all the different variants of ownerships from British Leyland through to Rover, through to, well, yeah, BMW, when it later went on. It's, I guess it was to a lot of people, whether you're a Mini fan, you know, classic Mini lover or and detester of the new Mini, everyone could kind of admit that Mini then had a second chapter. It was the, well, maybe not second, but a, another chapter, yeah, an additional yeah. chapter yeah. to the story. So this is a really exciting next chapter for Praga, isn't it? And one that enables a lot of people who might not have heard of Praga before 
or might know them as the communist company that made vacuum yeah, cleaners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's fascinating to to see how it's now well, evolving. Yeah, I mean, if McLaren's a good example, maybe better than Mini, in that you know the early customers into McLaren, yeah, they they bought the car because it was a nice alternative to a four five eight or yeah um, a Gallardo, but really they bought the car because they wanted to meet Ron Dennis or yep. they wanted to see an F1. <laughs> you yeah, know, of, course, of course. They wanted to go to the McLaren Technology Centre. Um, they, they had had pictures of Lauda and Hunt and Prost and Senna on their bedroom walls, whatever mm. it might be. That's why they wanted to buy a McLaren. Yeah. And it, it, not suggesting that Praga is at that level, but I think what we're trying to sort of say to people is that, you know, if you buy our products, if you buy into the brand, you come and meet us, there's all these things behind it that are of interest to you that that allow give you another story to tell your friends or whatever it might be. Absolutely, it's, you know that's everybody. You know anybody who buys our racing car, they can afford any racing car out there, and they've had racing cars before because they're new to our brand. They they want to buy into the experience or mm. or the relationship, which again is is why we're doing what we're doing today at this this test day. Um, you know we're we're offering more than um, at the level we race at. Um, the racing drivers could get from any other race car in the UK at the moment, as mm-hmm. far as the sort of hospitality is concerned. The, you know, we've got a film crew recording for a YouTube documentary this 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 year, like we did last year. So it's all about just giving something to somebody over and above what they can get with with the foundation of really strong product behind it. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, let's talk about today because of course this is the as you say that the preseason test day and an opportunity for the press to come down and have a look what is your emotion on a day like today because of course you've got a pit lane full of your cars a load of drivers some that have driven the cars before some that are driving them for the very first time a load of engineers some again will be have have had their time working on the cars and some will be brand new to it what in a few words what is that emotion for you looking at the pit lane uh Concern and worry for what the next two weeks are going to bring us as <laughs> <laughs> before we go racing. Um, I mean, the whole point of a test day is to find out problems yeah, um, and iron them out before you go racing. So I know the next two weeks are going to be painful. Mm. Um, at the same time, uh, it, it's, it's really exciting. And it's not just me that's saying that. Everybody's saying that. See the cars lined up on the grid. We did a photo shoot early with all the cars. Um, the easy bit is the fact that everybody loves driving the cars. Yeah. So they take their helmets off and there's a big smile. Um, and we see a lot of that today. So y- there's, some, there's some great things about actually delivering a one-make race series like this at the test day um, really quickly. We're about a year ahead of schedule, really, on what I'd hope to do. Um, but we've re- in, really, the one-make race series has come around in two or three years, which is really, really quick. Um, so... I've had quite a few people coming to me today and saying, you must be really proud. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll be I'll be proud and relaxed and excited in two weeks' time when we line up at Silverstone on race day with the 16 cars. Um, even more proud and excited and relaxed at the end of the season <laughs> when, the, when the checkered flag goes down and we're awarding the, the championship to the winner and the... the the R1, the winner, get, the winning owner of the R1 gets another R1 from us. So, Great. Um, so it's a hell of a prize pot. So there's all these things go together. So um, a day like today is a, is a real mixture of emotions because there's also the, the the thought of what this is all costing us as well as. But yeah. but you know because yeah. ultimately motor racing is is marketing. Yes. Um, yeah. To the to the OEMs and the t te- and the the owners of the cars and that's what we're doing really. It's this 
you know, building the Womack Race Series, yeah, in, at some point it will become a profitable venture, um, hopefully fairly quickly. But at this moment in time, it's it's a cost, and it, it's all about marketing the brand and, and not only in the UK but but internationally as well. Because yeah. um, we've set up international dealers over the last year; they need supporting to sell more cars. The best way to support them is to show there's amazing racing going on over Absolutely. in the UK. So, um, what's that yeah. lovely old saying, isn't it? Right? Win on a Sunday, sell on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, Which and is... and they can't do that. They, you know, the dealers around the world. We we don't have the luxury of test cars that we can send to dealers. So sure. the dealers we've got have have literally taken a punt on buying an R1, mm. setting themselves up as a dealer and and marketing themselves. Yeah. So it, it's really our duty to do what we're doing brilliant in the UK, so that the dealers around the world can point at their customers to us and say, look, that's the future for me, whether it's in Australia or Belgium or California. Yeah, amazing. Now, the comparison of the emotion of today, so seeing everything happen in a testing facility versus that race day, I know you said you'd feel a lot more relaxed at the end of the season once it's all done and dusted. Do you enjoy race days? Do you enjoy being a part of it and seeing all of these cars going out competitively? Uh, That's a loaded question on what we were talking (laughs) about earlier, isn't it? Um, No, I hate it. (laughs) That's probably quite a strong statement. But um, I I much prefer the end of race day to the start of race day. It's... um, uh, no, I don't. Honestly, I don't enjoy it. It's... it's, um, I, there's probably some sort of cliche or saying about, you know, it, it, in essence, race day for me is lots of people um, coming up and saying they've got a problem. Cause, and mm. the reason for that is because they want to win. So, yes, um, of course. Uh, but uh, it, and I think we were talking about this earlier. It, it, it's, but it's like a drug, you know. Yeah. You, um, you, you have sort of issues to deal with and problems to solve. and But then the end of the, end of the day, you've got guys smiling, shaking bottles of champagne um you, you sort of drive away thinking about the highs and thinking i can't wait until we're back there at the next racetrack and then you you get back into work on the monday morning and and it's like oh god here we go again but um <laughs> there's it's real ups and downs which you know it's is 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 you know, it's why we do it it's it's why everybody out there does it the mechanics the drivers you know, they all know they're going to have great weekends. They know they're going to have disastrous weekends, but they, they come back for more, which is, it's nice, the test day today. All all the teams that raced with us last year are back here. Great. Um, supporting again. Um, and there'll be a few bumps along the way, I mean, mm. it, undoubtedly. But I think, again, they're looking at 2023, 2024, um, and how we're growing and how the brand will grow and thinking, well, I, I want to be part of that journey. And that's, sure. that's where, where we were when I was at McLaren with Mini, all those sorts of things. It, people look at where this could be going and are genuinely excited so yeah so before we wrap things up because i know you've got to dive off and be uh, pulled apart for other interviews we've spoken a little bit about your pr history in launching cars on the road we've been talking about the amazing cars both with you and with a collection of your drivers today as well all getting very excited about how brilliant these cars are a few people will have noticed me being one of these people that there is a Praga car currently rolling around with some number plates on. Now, I don't want to delve too far into anything that we're not allowed to talk about, so I'll let you kind of lead the way. Is there a Praga road car coming? Uh, There there is a Praga road car, that's the Mm R1R, which is um, a road legal prototype of the R1, Um, and a few years ago it it burned really brightly. not literally, um, <laughs> and uh, you know I think Evo did a 
couple of tests in it. Jethro was in it. Henry mm. was in it. Um, and um, everybody, everybody who drove it loved it. Now, um, Praga is an engineering company at heart. Uh, it, they've literally it's where they came where the success started anything with a motor mm. um, so you, you said there they did vacuum cleaners they did yeah. food processors as well as doing tanks and airplanes and helicopters so um, and, and that the, the Praga company really has remained operational mm. unbroken for 115 years which is really rare so even post-communism um, it, it took a while to find its feet. It did enduro motorcycles. It, it carried on doing things like fire engines, carried on doing trucks. Um, so Prague is always looking at where to move to. Um, learned a lot from the R1R. Mm. Um, we're trying to get that car back over to the UK mm. um, because I think it, it's great to show racing cars. We were at Festival of Speed last year. Yeah. You know, we were invited to go and take the car that um, James Walker and Mars Lacey were racing yeah. up the hill. The, that Frank Stephenson designed the yeah. livery on. So great little story there. And we, we've got a really good relationship with Frank Stephenson as well. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I think you naturally then drive an inherent demand from the audience who isn't necessarily motorsport fans to say, well, you know, who is this company? What, what's mm. going on? So we want to get the R1R over here, dust it off again um, and get it going. And um, yeah, as I say, we're always looking at, at projects. So who knows, who knows where, it could, where we could go with this, but um you know, it, 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 I don't really want to build the brand just to sell some racing cars around the world, that's for sure. Awesome. How exciting. Well, when that car does make its way back to the UK with its number plates, um, feel free to drop me a text and uh, I wouldn't mind having a go. We'll, we'll park fun. it. We'll, we'll, I've already <laughs> spoken to Phil McGovern about this. We'll park it up at Caffeine and Machine Brilliant. and just leave, leave the keys behind the desk. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a little audience there that wants to take it out for a spin. But Fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, and actually, interestingly, I was talking to... Um, Jimmy Broadbent and, and his manager today about um, about the plans for the year and, and they keep badgering me about taking the R1R and the, the um, Northwest 500. So he caught me on that one again today. Yeah. So that um, so yeah, I, I sort of half promised that we'd do that. So amazing! It'd be, it'd be great to, to see um, a Praga on the road. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mark, well, I'm going to let you get back. It's a, a busy day for all of us here, and, and I know you've got an awful lot to do overseeing everything, so I no, really I'd, appreciate I'd, your time. Um, genuinely, thank you for coming and, and being here, and, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be on Driven Chat, to be honest. It's, you know, you've had, you've had some amazing people on, and um, just to be considered in that um, sort of group is a is, um, real privilege, so thank you. No, thank you. That's awesome. Right, we'll let you get back to it. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Well, yeah, my name is uh, Jimmy Broadbent, and I'd classify myself, I guess, as a content creator and racing driver. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Uh, the next victim on the list is uh, that superstar you just heard from. It's Jimmy Broadbent. Uh, Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Lovely to have you here. A willing victim, I think. A willing victim, yeah. You, you were very graceful with it. You, you, you came without kicking or screaming, which is, which is very, very kind. Um, so, Jimmy, yeah, we're here with Praga. We're doing some amazing things today. This is the pre-season test slash media day, a bit of a shakedown opportunity. Uh, now, you have a year under your belt, don't you, already for driving these amazing cars. How does it feel to be back today? Pretty great. I mean, it's been what feels like quite a long winter. I mean, the last time I drove the car was in October, and we got out for the last race. Nothing since then. So, brand new car today. So, just really looking forward to actually getting out there now and doing the shakedown. Because I got I have the afternoon, so I'm out there in a bit. 
Oh, perfect. So you've had a nice lazy morning then. Yeah, just lots of this, basically. <laughs> <laughs> lots of media nonsense for people like me. I do apologise. <laughs> now, a lot of people who are listening to us, because we get the vast majority of our listeners are uh, coming to us via search engines, looking at, their, looking at the guests that we talk to. And I guess a lot of them will know you and will have searched for you, having seen your content on YouTube. Mm. Uh, a lot of that involving driving cars on sim setups and to generally doing amazing things with games like Gran Turismo and other bits and pieces. Now, you have effectively done that one thing that every single child slash teenager slash adult slash old age pension that loves computer games has done, and that's transition from the computer screen to IRL. You're here in real life driving mm. these cars. It's a question you've probably been asked 28,942 <laughs> times, but in your own words, what, is that, what was that journey like? How did that happen? And what has ultimately got you here today for your second year, ahead of your second year of driving a private car? Yeah, well, I mean, originally it went back to when I was a kid and my mum bought me a copy of uh, F197 for the nice. PlayStation 1. Yeah. And um, I thought, oh, I'm, I always loved Formula 1. I, I watched it with my dad when I was very young. And I just got absolutely hooked on the game. Like I was sitting down and doing these full distance races like a, as a, like a seven-year-old kid because I just loved doing it and yeah. um, just sat there for anything just completely blissful. And from then, I discovered like Gran Turismo, and now I have this horrible uh, affliction where I just can't stop buying JDM rust buckets because of that game. Um, <laughs> and it just got me more into racing. I, I bought my first wheel when I was uh, about 20 years old. Cool. And uh, about 10 years ago now. Um, and just absolutely got hooked on driving and sort of pretending that, hey, like, I'm the, this is the real thing. Mm. I'm pretending to be this guy. And it's just amazing fun. I, I always find ways to put myself in the immersive situation of actually feeling like the, the guy, you know, feeling like the guy who's uh, hustling the car on the circuit. But never did I actually think at any point that it would lead anywhere because, you know, the as everyone will know, if you're into racing or driving, it's really bloody expensive. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. Horrendously so. And I came from a uh, sort of working class background, so no, no chance for that really. Mm. And then sort of in more recent times, sort of 2016 onwards, I started making YouTube content mm -hmm. just really about the cars that I like driving and just to share it with mates and like, hey, well, I can drive this A86 around Scuba and drive it terribly, but you can do it too. Come yeah, up, go, you know. Yeah. And that then transformed to sort of talking over the videos and exploring weird and wacky scenarios, anything I could think of that you wouldn't ever see in a real life race. Like driving a V10 F1 car versus a V8 one, who will win? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Let's, find, yeah. let's go find out, you know. Um, and then just into more competitive stuff, started taking uh, part in games called iRacing and online yeah, stuff course. where it's um, very competitive and uh, a system there puts you up against like, the perfect opponents, which is great. And then suddenly one day I find myself getting a, uh, an email from old Mark Harrison saying, do you want to come drive some cars? And that pretty much puts us here today. <laughs> <laughs> so before that time, how much on-track driving had you done? So I assume you mentioned your passion for Gran Turismo leading you into certain JDM cars. We're going to pick apart that in a second because there will be many people listening to this going, oh my God, exactly the same as me <laughs> yeah. and exactly the same as me as well, personally. Um, but yeah, in the terms of actually competitive circuit driving, how much had you done before that phone call? Uh, zero, nothing. No. Um, I had taken part in uh, Club 100, Okay. Um, so I did a couple of races there, but yeah. not I did like half a season maybe. Yeah. And I was terrible because my first time driving uh, carts. Got you. Um, and carts are actually vastly different from anything. Mm -hmm. um, so 
the sim racing experience is kind of almost mute, really, <laughs> really yeah. um, going into it. But aside from that, I took that. I think I took my like my uh, track day MX5 to a track day once. Got you. And that was basically it. Apart from that, nothing on circuit in any sort of racing capacity or anything. So it was uh, a bit uh, intimidating to be shown a picture of what a Praga R1 was and be like, oh, bloody hell, really? Like, <laughs> me in that? Like... And somebody pulling you to one side and saying, right, we're going to utilize something called downforce. You'd be like, okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that for a lot of people, there'll be a lot of drivers here today on the test day who have been racing in things like the Clio Cup mm. or the MX5 Championship is a perfect example. And this is a really nice progression, a good step, a significant step up from that sort of thing. But for those guys, they're learning a lot about downforce. They're learning about the ability or, or the necessity to carry a certain speed through a corner and rely on that downforce. So do you think... Do you think you maybe even had a slight advantage in not having that previous lower level competition, but going straight into a downforce car? And hmm. what what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that possibly like, it's always nice to start from a clean slate, hmm. but I think the amount that I didn't know far outweighed what I did know. Sure. Um, so anyone's had any racing experience any circuit time at all is infinitely better than none sure. um so i think that even these lads that have come in and maybe done clios or karting and gone straight into a praga would probably have a better experience than i would mm. for the first time i said the only the advantage that i would have um i've done so much endurance racing on, online is um like racecraft and positioning yeah and stuff like that that's something that i was already in my head in round one Great. um to the point where i was sort of Saying my teammate, if you try getting a run out of this corner, if you try doing it here, yeah. you know, because I just had that much more experience. But in terms of actual physically driving a car, I think that they would definitely have an advantage, even even with not knowing downforce or anything like that. Sure, yeah. And would you say any of the the sim racing experience, certainly in downforce cars, would you say that gave any kind of additional confidence into any any kind of muscle? Well, maybe not muscle memory because you haven't got that sensation of movement, but that ability to know, okay, I know this circuit, I know this corner, and I know I could carry through perhaps 120 mile per hour at this corner. Has any of that come into real life and thought, oh God, actually, what am I doing? It did eventually. The thing is, um, my brain was like, mate, you're going to die. Stop, <laughs> like slow down. Like, um, so I was overcoming the voice in your head, like saying, like, you know, your survival instinct thing. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Um, the corner for that, that I learned that was actually um, Island Bend at Alton Park. Right, um, okay, Which yeah. is a, like a blend. Yeah. And if you, if, with downforce, it's weird. Because if you like, if you panic and you lift off the throttle quickly, you spin. Mm -hmm. If you brake too hard and get on the throttle quickly, you spin, mm. or you just chunder steer off the circuit. So it's this weird sort of faith that if you do the right movements, the car will react to it. But then the right movements require a bit of practice. So you're going into it the first time thinking, "Oh God, what is it? What, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing?" And um, just sort of trying to take on board what uh, you know, what uh, Gordy, my teammate, was saying at the time, like just do this. And, and then the moment I did it, I did it once and I did it right, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah. And then that was it. But Working up to that moment took a significant amount of uh, hyperventilating. <laughs> <laughs> and how much tuition have you gone through in the sense of you know, relying on people like Gordy and other drivers and, and track, mm. uh, perhaps even just general instructors? How, how much of that have you felt like you've had to absorb and, and how much has kind of fallen into place in the sense of somebody's talked you through how something might work, but then... You've gone out, given it a go, you've experienced it in the form of a sim, and then it's suddenly all clicked and gone, ah, right, this makes perfect sense. Would you say it was an easy transition? 
Um, I'd say that I had like a running start, if you know what I mean. It, yeah. was, it wasn't like starting from scratch. See, the thing is with real cars, they're, they sort of feel like these living, breathing objects that you have to sort of work with. Uh-huh. And in Sims, you can sort of get away with just dragging a car through the corner, like abusing the tyres. So you do that with a real car, after a while it starts to get a bit fed up with you yeah. and it will spit you off somewhere. And, yeah. um, but it definitely helped me having tuition. I, I only ever had it from Gordy, who's... Okay. who's who started off my driver coach and now is my teammate, which is sort of perfect for me, yeah, really, because um, now I can always have like a direct feed into what do I need to do with driving the same car. Yeah. Um, but he said things that I knew, but hadn't quite figured out how to implement into the real car, if that makes sense. So perfect. when he's like, you know, the reason why you're not getting the speed through here is because you're over braking. So your braking's really good, but you're not getting off the pedal quick enough. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Because I'm used to a sim where you have to drag the brake a lot. So Yeah, of course. Um, so those little things, they don't sound like much, but they actually add up to like seconds a lap. Of course. And um, you know, I think uh, Alton Park was a great example. I went from being, I think, four seconds off him to being, I think, second and a half within wow. the end of the day. And Gordy's a fast lad, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be there. You know, and if I can get any closer in the in um, the future, that'd be good. But it's, I think you really do need that tuition if you're making yeah. that that uh, transition. So a good teacher. Very good. And it's, it's, it's uh, annoying because he's 19. So it's like having this, yeah. this kid. <laughs> like, this kid sitting there calling me a wimp. I'm like, oh, sh- shut up. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm 30 now. Leave me alone. Like. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, but you're so right. I mean, that, that lesson on tuition, my background, I started off running track day companies. And we always used to say to people that would come along and say, the question we'd always get is, you know, what, sh- what modifications should I do to my car to make my car faster on track? And the answer would always be, and the golden rule that I still stand by now when I speak to people about this sort of stuff is the best modification you can do to your car, or it's not necessarily to your car, but it's to you as a driver. Drive get, yeah. get some tuition. Even spending half the day with a tutor makes all the difference in the world. It's going to fire out way that set of coilovers or, or that brake disc upgrade or anything else like that. It's, it really does make a huge, huge difference. Now, you dangled the carrot in the sense of, uh, was it ropey? JDM cars that you, is that the phrase you <laughs> <Yeah>. use? Rusty. <laughs> Rusty. Yeah. Rusty, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to learn more about this. So I think you, like me, like many others, um, had a real introduce, introduction to a lot of circuit cars, and not even just not even necessarily circuit cars, but a lot of road cars through things like Gran Turismo, mm. an amazing game. It was where I first heard of a rotary engine and an RX-7, and it was like, oh, what's this? Um, so what was the influence to you? What, what have you ended up purchasing and oh, uh, let's hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, so, I mean, I've... Uh, my girlfriend's always telling me, because I'm always scrolling Facebook ads at night, of and course. she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you melt. You have, like, 40 cars. <laughs> don't have that many cars. But um, So my first sort of JDM car was a SW20 MR2, because they, right. they were cheap yeah, yeah. back when I bought them, yeah. which I promptly flipped, because those cars were known for doing such things. Um, yeah. But that was like, I was just completely hooked from there. Yeah. Something about a ratty interior. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I, just, I just love it, you know. And um, I love the idea that I could have this car that was sporty, but not pay, you know, Ferrari money. For mm. them. Obviously, it's not as quick as a Ferrari, but you feel like it is when you're yeah, driving it. It's so. got a mid-engine, it's yeah. rear-wheel drive. Yeah. And uh, I love that thing. Unfortunately, of course, it, it met its demise. And then I, um, when I was at university, I bought my first uh, Mark One Mazda MX-5. Nice. Which, as anyone will know, you know, it's 80% rust when you buy it, if you're lucky. <laughs> yep. Uh, just don't don't knock on the door too too hard or, or fall apart. <laughs> don't attempt to move the uh, yeah. wing mirror because the door will come off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I had that thing for ages, and I started to get into modification with that car. I love mods. Yeah. And I love the idea of like 
uh, again, GT telling me that I can put nitrous on this on a Fiat Panda. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can do whatever I want, you know. Um, and that car nowadays is, is a time attack car. Um, oh, brilliant. So it had an SR20 engine popped into it. Wow. And it's uh, about 600 brake horsepower now in a Mark One. So um, pretty rowdy. Strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not rusty anymore. Uh, I think every panel's been removed. I think the only original part of that car now is the door handles. Incredible. Um, <laughs> so, not, yeah. Um, I have uh, another MX-5, which is a track MX-5. It's just a um, Mark One MX-5 with suspension, uh, some nice tires, some R- RPF1 in the world, RFB, yeah, RPF ones, mm-hmm. um, because they're light and nice. Um, I've got a set of bodies on it. It's about 170 horsepower NA. Sounds great. Perfect. Um, really fun for track days, because, again, like you don't need much power for a nope. track day. Just go, just go and drive the thing to its limit and yeah. then learn that. And um, I bought a 350Z a few years ago cool. because I love trumpets Yep. and um, I love oil leaks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I bought that and then um, get to the more serious stuff. I recently got a GR Yaris. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I ordered that February last year. Uh-huh. It, it, yeah, it arrived like two weeks ago. Brilliant. So like, good. Cool. Now, that's really fun. Really been enjoying that. Yeah. But having to put miles in it sucks. So you can't really do anything fun with it for a yeah, bit. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, then, God, what else is there? I've got a GCA Impreza. Nice. Um, it's a like 555 WRC edition. Amazing. So it's got like a SGI engine and a really close gearbox. Cool. So you outrun most things yeah, until you get to fifth gear. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sadness happens in fifth gear. Um, I have a. R35 GTR, Fantastic. a 2009 one, so yeah. before the facelift, yeah. which has cost me so much money. Um, you're like, oh, it's an only Nissan. The Bellhausen's gone. That's £800. Like, oh, God. Because the, the interesting thing about the R35, especially those early ones, is they're kind of in a... I have to be careful how I say it now, but they're, they're getting into an affordable bracket, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's supercar performance for... If you can get... A, you know, If you've got £30,000 in the bank, you might be able to get into one. But, but I, I was thinking that because it was either like I could, I got to the point where I could trade in my GTR and buy a Yaris, and I was like, "Is that something I want to do?" Yeah. Like if I was like, "Oh, I bought yeah," just that that the words in my, they don't really go together trading a GTR for that. But yeah, same same price for a Yaris or a R thirty five, pretty much. Yeah. You know? And then the sort of the, the jewel in the crown, my absolute favorite, and my uh, my child is my R thirty two GTR. Um, which uh, is uh, it's a V Spec one. Uh, I bought it off Jan Marvenborough. Used to be, um, of course. Yeah, it used to be his. The the original uh, yeah, exactly. Gran Turismo to real life, which racing. is sort of like this weird twist of fate, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and um, it's got a lot of HKS parts in it. Um, Amazing. So like, that's my like, about five fifty horsepower. Uh, still got the twin turbos because that's what the car was. So I don't, I don't yeah. want a big single. Everyone's done that. Yeah, yeah. And I just love it. It's um, one of those cars you drive and you think, this is, I understand everything. Even though it's yeah. modded, I understand why people love this car. And oh, completely. It's on the inside, it's all 90s and plastic. But the amount of people that look at that car when you drive by, I mean, yeah. you, you could be driving an R8, no one cares. Drive that car, everyone. Completely right. Some, I love that thing. It has turned into. It's one of those pinnacle cars of, right, that's a per- somebody's made a conscious decision to buy that car and run that car and drive that car. That means they are definitely a true petrol head. And I always find it really interesting, especially when I speak to racing drivers. You're a professional racing driver now, which is that's exciting, right. isn't it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another, uh, another friend of mine, um, a bit of a clang, is uh, a touring car driver called Jake Hill. Oh, yeah. And Jake and I have been, uh, along with another Praga driver here, Miles Lacey, uh, Jake, Miles, and I have been working together for many years running an ice driving event out in Sweden where we 
essentially dick about on a frozen lake and teach people <laughs> the art of oversteer or understeer. And it's just brilliant, the best thing ever. And um, I hadn't really known Jake. Uh, Jake came along and we got chatting and it was that, that kind of internal test you do in your head. You're like, okay, so, you know, what do you drive? And the first thing he came back with was, well, I've got, uh, I don't know if you'd know what an R32 GTR is. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. we're going to be best friends. Uh, it is, yeah, what an absolutely fantastic car. And my God, they are skyrocketing in value, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I bought mine before COVID. Um, so that was like, I was very happy to, oh, well, I say, ha- I say happy, you know, obviously circumstances aren't great, but um, if you bought one of those cars before lockdown, you're having a bit of a better time than you were before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, J- Jake Hill, I watched him drive the, um, oh, who is it, Rick Wood? Somebody yeah. else, all, all his Skylines, like the um, That's right, yeah. Group A ones. Yeah. I'm like, can I just please come and have a look at one? Like, yeah. can, I, can, I, can I just smell I don't, I don't want to drive, I want to smell it. I don't want to drive it. So yeah, they did that wonderful video, didn't they, with the Calsonic at Donington, the Calsonic GTR. <sighs> it just looks so good, sounds uh, so good. Everyone and everyone else is having the worst time than he's having. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly, exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. So before we wrap up, because I know we haven't got an awful long time, what, um, what are your feelings? Obviously, today... Is a is a pinnacle day. We're, we're catching up with Mark Harrison, mm. the, the big boss, the MD of Praga, in a bit. And, and he said, in his words, I had a brief chat with him earlier. He said, on a day like today, it's a really bizarre feeling for him because he feels both apprehensive but excited but nervous. This is ultimately the last shakedown day that happens to be flooded with press and media and cameras and things. So if anything's going to go wrong today, all the wrong people are going to see <laughs> it. Um, how does it feel for you as a driver? What are your feelings about the season ahead? Is it exciting? Is it scary? Is it a bit of both? Oh, well, compared to last season, it's exciting. Uh, I mean, last season, I felt nervous because it's my first time ever doing anything. Yeah. I just did, didn't want to fail, you know. Uh, now, so I have a bit of confidence. I know I can drive the thing. I know I've got a really good driver beside me who's going to help me improve. And I've got a really good team around me as well. I've been run by um, Idola, who are yeah. people we know really well. So I've just, I just, there's no expectation really. I don't want to go in with that. I know we've got good performance in the car. I'm, I'm pretty confident we can run up the front. Um, and today is more just like let's go and get back up to speed and get ready for the first round. I mean, we know the car is going to be bulletproof. I mean, for the most part, last year we the car was absolutely faultless, Great. and um, you know, I think that this year's going to be much the same. And given that we've got a super strong team behind us, I just I can't help but feel excited for it. Yeah. There's, there's there's no sort of apprehension there at all. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we as Driven Chat are going to try our best to be as around and involved in the series as possible this year. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up a few times this year. We'll see how things are progressing. And um, yeah, I wish you the very best of luck. And most importantly, have an amazing time because it does look like bloody good fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, enjoy it. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks so much for your time today. Awesome to catch up. No, thanks for having me. So my name is Gordy Much. I am from Lockerbie, Scotland. I'm 19 years old and I am a professional racing driver. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hello again, dear listener. Welcome to our final segment of our amazing Praga special podcast. Still yet to finalise that title name, but hey, it's clearly I have thought of it because you can see it in the title of this episode. And as you've just heard, our final guest is... Gordy. Uh, Gordy, much thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. Yeah. It's been a really interesting day today, hasn't it? The the test day for, yeah, for it the, has been, yeah. the season. Yeah. Uh, we've had all sorts of weather. We've had uh, a great collection of cars, a great collection of drivers. Uh, we have already spoken to your teammate, Jimmy, 
mm-hmm. earlier on, who said some very complimentary things about you. I should hope so. I, t- I told him to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could see the cash getting handed around. Oh, 100%. I wasn't sure what, the, what yeah. that was for. There's but... always something under the table. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'd be fascinated to know. Now, um, let's get, have a quick overview of your racing career so far. You are certainly the youngest driver that we've spoken to, the youngest driver that we've spoken to today. Um, and as I gather, you're one of the younger guys in the group as well. Um, what is your racing career up to now? Absolutely. So, uh, like most drivers, started off in in karting. Um, in karting, uh, done uh, done really well. So got the Scottish uh, Scottish champion championship and then uh, moved on to to become the british champion as well um over the past few years i've been slowly building up my cv in the cars as well um my my hunting grounds was was is, is predo- was predominantly uh Gineta gt5 challenge yeah uh so you know spent two three years in that just kind of building building my craft learning uh about you know weight transfer and, and and what it takes to be to be fast in cars it's one thing being fast in car totally different thing being fast in cars mm-hmm. so just building back from square one to the to the point where i am today where uh i now have you know several dif- different customers and in, in different uh forms of 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 uh uh, motorsport circuit racing whether it's classics whether it's prototypes whether it's gt i'm now uh passing on my experience uh to, to help uh, develop other drivers. Amazing. That is amazing. So, so Janetta cars, in comparison to the Praga cars that you're yeah. driving here, is there any comparison at all, or is this a completely different league? Um, both are... Both are... Both require quite a lot of... Um, I'd, I'd say they are similar in the aspects that they're they're very, very tricky, tricky to drive. They're on quite a bit of a razor edge. With the... Like, y- in the GT5, it benefited you a lot using the tire more. Yeah. Um, because, of course, it was on the slick tires, on the, the, the Mitchell and Slick tire, which is a, a very, very grippy tire. You're able to lean on that quite quite a lot. So mm. if you overdrive and just brake, you know, sliding around the corner, yep. you're going to be slower. So the better you are able to, to stay within the limits of the tire, the quicker you're going to be overall. And, uh, you know, with, with, with the Praga and the Aero, it's very much the same. You know, the more that you're able to lean on the tire, and 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 of course you've got that extra a- aspect of of aero. Mm-hmm. That more that you're able to lean on the tire, and uh, use all the grip that's available without breaking the grip mid corner, then the, the then the quicker you're going to be. Yeah. How was that transition into downforce? Was that did that take a long time to get your head around? Um. Not really. Like I I, I kind of uh, just told myself the faster I go around the corner the more grip that I'm gonna have and just stuck by that really Great. um so you know for first first time out in the Praga was around Donington and uh you know Donington's got some absolutely fantastic corners in terms of aero where I was really able to experiment mm-hmm. with how much I could get away with yeah um so yeah I hit the ground running like from 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 lap two lap three I was already testing out what I could do um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're incredible cars. Um, there's so, so much grip around the corners and it's, it's, uh, especially, you know, when, when working with, with, with Jimmy and stuff, you know, I've done it, you know, the racing all my life. So it's easier for me to just commit to the corners, mm-hmm. uh, at much higher speeds, but, you know, from the coaching aspect, it makes it a lot trickier because you're, you're training someone to do something that they don't think is possible. 
Sure. If you go faster around a corner, you know, you'll have more grip, but you've got that in between mm-hmm. where if you go, you know, that middle speed that isn't quite fast enough, you're going to have no grip yeah. and you're going to spin off. Yeah. So like doing that and then telling them, well, the reason you spun off is because you actually weren't going fast enough around the corner is a bit of a tricky thing. Yeah, of course. It, yeah. it, it is a bit of a um, yeah mind bender, isn't it? In it that is, sense. Yeah. I've really enjoyed today because I've been able to speak to uh, both, well, both drivers from three different teams. And we've had uh, Ben Collins, who of course is teamed up with Jay Morton. Mm-hmm. And of course, you've got a fairly new driver to motorsport with the Stig, which is quite interesting. Um, then we've also got the likes of yourself and Jimmy. And talk to me about the um, talk to me about Jimmy in the sense of oh, man. Jimmy mentioned you know he's come from a world of sim racing, which is great for a technical skill. Clearly, you know sim racing is is such an invaluable tool nowadays Absolutely, for yeah. drivers memorizing tracks and even the certain dynamics of a car. But yeah, to come away from sim racing and into a downforce car. What has that been like for you as the tutor, bearing in mind there's what, a 10-year age gap as well with uh, yeah. Jimmy being a little bit older? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it's a fantastic question. Um, well, you know, first off, the thing, the thing with the sim is a lot of the time when you see a, a sim driver get into a car, they're overly rough with it uh-huh. um, because, of course, in, in the sim, you can just uh, hit reset if you make a mistake and spin off, yeah. right? Um, but... Jimmy has been impressive in the aspect of how kind he is to the car. Mm-hmm. A lot of mechanical sympathy. He doesn't do anything silly that you would expect from a from a total rookie. Mm. He quite literally has hit the ground running. Great. Uh, you know the job that he done last year was 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 really really awesome. And you know to the point where at the end of of twenty twenty one at the 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 weekend at Donington, he he was the fastest AM driver on track, mm-hmm. which is a huge achievement because a lot of those drivers have been behind the wheel for many many years. Um, in terms of the the techniques and everything, looking at the data, because I can see the brake traces, I can see mm-hmm. throttle traces and everything, um, it is abundantly clear that Jimmy is taking what he has learned from the sim into the real car and it's working because the sim is 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 doing such a great job at replicating it the yeah. brake the brake traces are right what he's doing in the corner with the brakes is right yeah you know and that that that's the really really impressive thing to see awesome what do you like on a sim what do i like on the sim i like the competitive nature mm-hmm. um you know i'm 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 barely off of my sim uh i work for i race for roman grosjean's uh, sim racing team Course, on, yeah. yeah, so you know, on on there, what I find because because you know, motorsport can be quite hard to get into in terms mm. of the the budget involved. Of course, but the sim is a lot easier to to get into. Mm-hmm. It's a lot a lot cheaper to yep. get into, and that means there's a lot more people doing it, and there's no limits on things like track time or anything. Sure. So when you you know you're sat on the grid for, you know, big special events or the big eSport, you know, series, whatever it is, uh, that top 20, 30 are genuinely the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And I find that it's, it's helped out my 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 racing in real life quite a bit because of the approach that I take to it yeah. in terms of the importance of, of two-tenths mm. in the sim when you're racing against the, you know, the, when you're in a professional grid mm-hmm. two tenths can be the difference between first and 20th yeah of course so 
you know, extracting everything out of your lap is everything. It's yeah. uh, just losing the least amount of time possible in the lap and just optimizing everything is is uh, hugely important in the sim and it's something that I've taken into uh, into real life. Would you say you're faster in a lap in real life or faster in a lap on the sim? I'd say I'm faster on a lap in real life. Awesome. I'm faster in a lap in real life for sure. Um, the sim, you know, it, it requires like it, it requires slightly different technique. And my issue is I treat it too much like real life. Uh-huh. You know, you can you can you can get away with a little bit more in the sim. Yeah. And you know, I think you know because people, you know, some people on the sim have grown up, you know, using the sim and everything, and uh, they it's their job. Mm-hmm. That's what they're hired to do. That's that's how they make their salary. You know, they they they're just totally in tune and one in one with it, and they know everything that you need to do in order to get the last hundredth out. Yeah. Uh, I'm slowly getting there though. I'm getting closer and closer to the top. So see uh see where we are in a year's time. Yeah. But I think for now I'm 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 faster over one lap in real life. Yeah. Well that's the important way to be. Yeah, that it? well that's the important one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um now before we came upstairs I had a quick chat with Mark Harrison and we recorded with Mark earlier as well, MD. And he um he said, as you were having a little photo shoot down there with, with Jimmy, he sort of tapped me on the shoulder and he said, these guys want to win. These guys want yeah. the championship. Yeah. Do you think you've got it? I think, um, well, like, you know, the, the big difference from last year is we've got more cars in the grid, mm-hmm. more pairings. And now that everyone's had that, you know, first year under their belt last year with a the, with the newer generation of car, um people people are ready to hit the ground running now mm-hmm. so you know i think as well there's some really 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 strong parents coming along this year yeah so i think the best thing that we can do is is you know optimize what i do and then if i you know i need to do the best possible possible job with uh with coaching jimmy mm-hmm. jimmy needs to to do his best to absorb that information and uh, from there, any any good result that we'll we'll take, we'll we'll be we'll be thrilled with because obviously this this year is, is a lot more competitive than it was last year. Yeah, of course, of course. So before we round up, I've asked this question to everyone that I've spoken to, all the drivers so far, and that is: Is there a specific circuit or uh, weekend that you're looking forward to this yeah. season? Donington. Okay. Because I've got I've got such a I've got like a really great track rec- record at Donington. Yeah. I think there's maybe been one racing weekend in my entire career where I wasn't on the podium at Donington. Awesome. So Donington always goes really well for me. Um, looking forward to the first race weekend of the year because it's the first re- race weekend of the year, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also it is on the Silverstone Grand Prix circuit. Yeah, of course. And you know that you know in in a high downforce car, it is just so awesome you know maggots beckett's in in something that's got a lot of grip and a lot of aero it's just it's uh it's a challenge of commitment uh a challenge of physical endurance in these cars these 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 uh praga r1s are are uh tough on the tough in the race you know i think i think they're they're really really good in that aspect you know really good for preparing drivers for for uh further lmps um so yeah, I'd say. Well, I've got you asked for one answer, but I'll I'll give you two. I say Silverstone because I love the track, yeah, and Donington because I've got a good track record there. Love it. 
that works perfectly. That's awesome. Gordy, thank you so much for your time. Thank we you for are yeah. going to try our best to be in and around the races as much as possible this this year. So it'd be awesome to, uh, to keep in touch and see how things go and see how things progress. And maybe we'll catch up towards the end of the season as well. And hopefully we'll have that, that target in sight. Championship win. On to bigger and better things. Absolutely. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank you. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye <laughs>